0: what's up my name is grace and thanks for tuning in to the gt young adults podcast we're a community a part of gt church in victoria bc we love jesus and have a passion to learn and live like him and have a ton of fun doing it all of the messages and conversations you find here will point you to his truth and his hope so lean into whatever god wants to speak to you today enjoy what you're about to hear and thanks for listening Good evening, everyone. You doing good? Apparently not. Okay, good to know. Good to know. My name is Lucas. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I just feel like I met a lot of new people tonight, and I'm just really encouraged by that. I want you to know um, The Six is a, is a service designed specifically for young adults, with young adults in mind. But I just want you to know, depending on your schedule, depending on what works for you, you're welcome here. Um, whether you ha- Whatever background you have, if you grew up in the Lutheran church, if you're just coming back to church, if you've been here your whole life, Whatever it is, I hope that this six blesses you, encourages you. I hope tonight you feel encouraged and blessed, and I hope that um, you, you, you continue to come and you find a service that fits best with your schedule, that you continue to pour into the local church. It's an important thing, and I think we need it now more than ever. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that. Today is Baptism Sunday. And so, yeah. Yeah, we're really excited. Uh, we're definitely two, maybe three people getting in the tank tonight. And I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. We've had... Uh, Over 25 people at our church today get baptized. And so you'll see a video a little bit later. It'll encompass a lot more people than just who you see tonight. And I'm um, really excited to, for you to see that video and for different reasons, but it's it's gonna be a really good, good time. So we'll end with that. So that's why I'm up here a little earlier after this. I'll bring the people who are getting baptized tonight. We'll all head out. We'll go, we'll get changed, we'll get ready. Uh, Brent will have some announcements for us. We'll watch that video and we'll end with some worship and baptism. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, we are in week number four of a series called Questions Jesus Asked. We just think it's fun to look at the stuff Jesus was asking because he knows everything. And so it's kind of funny that he'll like take a moment and, and talk and ask and- questions to different people. Uh, the first week was kind of this ultimate or this big question. The second week was all about kind of this like dangerous question. This week I'm titling this ser- this sermon an awkward question because it is kind of awkward. Like I'm going to share with you, some of you are going to giggle because you're immature and you- or whatever. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it just has a weird connotation. And without context, this question is a bit funny. I just want you to know that. The question that Jesus does ask in our chunk of scripture is, uh Sorry, the water just went to the baptism tank and it totally freaked me out. My apologies. <laughs> oh man, I was like, the question Jesus asked and then I heard rushing Holy Spirit water and I was like, I just want to make sure I get this right, Lord. I'm sorry. It's who touched me. The question is who touched me. And again, without context, that may sound like a, a bit of a funny connotation. Um, the question when he asks it, it is a kind of an awkward situation. And I don't know if you've ever been in a, in a situation where one person or you're talking to a friend and like an awkward question is asked, like, hey, you going to the party? And it's like, what party? Never mind the party you're not invited to. You know what I mean? Like one of those, awkward. Like love those moments, not fun. Um, this morning, actually, I, was, I preached all day. And so I was getting ready. And I just felt like this morning I want to look a little snazzy, okay? I wanted to class it up, class, class, class. And so I was like trying, just trying on some different things. And I had like tucked in my shirt. This morning, I was when tucked in, I was ready to go. And as I'm literally coming out of the closet and about to exit our room, and Trina was feeding LJ, and she literally says, as I'm walking past her, she goes, Is that what you're wearing? Which is like so awkward. It's like, not anymore. Like, what would you suggest? You know? And so she literally goes, Oh, don't try this shirt, go try this shirt. So I'm changing shirts and I'm just like, no, and she's like, I'm wearing this, and I put it back on. She's like, No, you look frumpy. Friends, frumpy is the worst thing you want to hear, right? That's like the worst thing to say about someone when they're getting, how do I look? Frumpy. Awesome. By now, going to go burn the shirt. Um, and so I was like, we finally figured out, I'm wearing this floral shirt, and I got so many sassy remarks this morning from my floral shirt. I don't care. I like it. It's fun. It's floral, and I can wear flowers if I want to. And I was wearing it, and I rocked it hard, and literally I'm like walking out of the house, and then Trina literally goes, is that what you're doing with your hair? I'm like, I love my wife. My wife is amazing. I know she's just there to help me, but it was just like dagger, dagger. It's like I'm balding, Trina. I only have so much to work with. Leave me alone. <laughs> just like walking out to go preach. <laughs> awkward question, right? Like awkward moment, awkward timing, awkward connotation, whatever it is. And and honestly, depending on who you ask, this question's gonna sound funny. I get it. But the truth is we find ourselves in what is a very powerful story, a powerful story about two people who need Jesus, who are desperate for Jesus. You can find it in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They kind of overlap a lot. They have a lot of similarities, so that's why we call them that. And so to give you some context, Jesus has just come from preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He, has, he, he leaves kind of this Gentile region, and he heads back to what, more, what are more Jewish towns. He does a lot of ministry in this city. This is a good city to know, Capernaum. A lot of scholars will say that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, from Nazareth, if you will, taught in Jerusalem, but his ministry happened in Capernaum. And so, whenever you see that, you know that something fun's going to happen, something exciting is going to happen. So I'm in Luke 8. If you have your Bible, go to Luke 8, third gospel over, chapter 8. If you don't have one, you can follow along with a blue Bible in front of you. I think it's page like 840. I'm on, and uh, or it's up on the screens. Here we go. Are you ready? You ready? Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader or pastor, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Verse 45, it says this, "'Who touched me?' Jesus asked. "'When they all denied it, Peter said, "'Master, the, the, the people are crowding and pressing against you.' "'But Jesus said, "'No, no, no, someone touched me. "'I know that power has gone out from me.' "'Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, "'came trembling at and fell at his feet. "'In the presence of all the people, "'she told why she had touched him "'and how she'd been instantly healed. "'Then he said to her, "'Daughter,' Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So the question he asks is who touched me, but the real question that Jesus is getting at or asking or mentioning is who is bold enough to believe that if they would even get close to me, something can happen. He's not trying to like pick her out from the crowd. He's actually trying to bring identity to this woman, which we'll talk about in a minute. Let's, let's just touch on the obvious, though, for a second. Luke, as a gospel writer, this is important, is very thorough. He was a doctor turned church planter, um, loves the Lord. His details are not accidental. They're intrinsic to his writing. He can't help himself, okay? Like every little geographical area, every person he mentions is so that if you were reading it at the time, you could go talk to that person. They might still be alive. And so he's really trying to help break the barrier for those people who don't believe. He really is. So if you read Luke or Acts and you see little details, it's important to look at them. I love this. It says, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him. That's verse 40. Verse 42, the crowds almost crushed him. Verse 45, Peter said, master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Within five verses, you have these three references to how many people were there. Jesus is right in front of everyone. There's a lot of people there. And yet here's the the key. Yet only this woman reaches out. Like there's a crowd of people waiting for Jesus and only this woman goes, I, I need to get to him. There's a, there's a big bunch of people, okay? He's, 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 he's like cast out of demons. He preached sermon on the mouth. Like Jesus is well known at this point. He has some notoriety. He's popular. He's trending, whatever you wanna say. And, and, and in this, this moment here, only one person is bold enough, has the courage to reach out and believe, and, and honestly is quite desperate enough to reach out and believe that Jesus is gonna do something. I think we often assume, I've often assumed, that if I, if Jesus was just right in front of me, I wouldn't doubt. You ever have that thought? As a kid, especially, right? You're like, if he would if Jesus would just show up at the six and worship a little bit. I know we're, I, I, my, my doubts would be gone. Guys, there's a crowd pressing up against the Messiah. He has healed people and people know about him and only one person reaches out. I think we kid ourselves a little bit when we say stuff like, if he was here, it would be all different. No, there's a lot of people and I'm sure there's a lot of hang-ups, and I'm sure there's a lot of hurts and only one woman had the courage to reach out and believe that Jesus would transform her life. It's a big deal, something to know. There was a crowd was many, but only one had the courage and every person in that crowd had the opportunity to touch him, but only one claimed the privilege and only one experienced the healing. I mentioned this last week, Andy said in our morning services, you can be in close proximity to Jesus, just like the guys at the road to Emmaus and yet not know it's him or believe in him or touch or reach out to him at all. Something for us to realize, and I think it's this, this is what I really wanna hit this for a little while. There is a hard truth that apparently is older than two millennia because I think as I've preached, I've often mentioned this before, but I've said it as if it's a Western sort of 21st century, whatever it is, like issue. Like it's a, or it's a young adult thing, okay? And so forgive me when I've said that because clearly, clearly it's, it's, it's written right here. I have found in my own spiritual journey that busyness gets in the way. And I believe that our busyness has become our biggest spiritual burden that people are just so busy going from this thing to that thing that they don't even see that Jesus is walking right through their town and a woman has just been instantly healed of 12 years of internal bleeding. Like, think about this for a moment. Like, everyone is there and yet only one person reaches out. Let me say it again. Our busyness just might be the biggest spiritual burden to our spiritual walk, to our relationship with Christ, It may not be this thing or that thing. It may not be, you know, preach it off. It may not be that addiction to this or that. It might actually be that we're just too busy, which is so interesting to me. We we have to honestly take a self-inventory here and ask ourselves, am I too busy to make time for Jesus? Am I so busy that I can't make it to small group? Really, like truly. Am I so busy that I can't even call that person who I know is in mourning? Am I am i way too busy to sabbath to rest like don't even get me started on sabbath no one has time to sabbath it's also i find it interesting because i feel like 2 years ago we were or, i don't know 2 years ago like 5 years ago it was so different i feel like 2019 whatever it was was just like remember when yolo was a thing <laughs> We'd like all oh, be like YOLO, you'll live one. seize the day, carpe die. and We'd like get things tattooed on us. It was like I'm always in the moment. I'm never not there. I'm like I'm not, you know, we're so excited to like seize the day and capture the moment and like take away something and like go do something and make time and make room. And now we don't even like we don't we don't have FOMO anymore. We have JOMO. You guys know we don't we don't fear missing out. It's like a joy of ours to miss out. We're like I didn't get invited. Thank God I can watch Netflix tonight and eat Cheerios. Like. That's our goal. It's it's crazy to me. Like we have flipped. Don't blame COVID either. Like I I don't. Maybe yes, sure. Maybe. Like oh, COVID just made me such an introvert. Maybe. Maybe maybe we're just really used to not doing anything anymore. Maybe like maybe we're just stuck inside. And actually, what we need to do is fight that a little bit. No, I just feel good when I'm eating chips and, and binge watching this. It's so funny. We're so busy and yet we're so good at binge watching shows. I'm digging hard here, and I'm, let me tell you why. Because I felt convicted hard last week when Andy mentioned this thought. Man, I felt I felt the Lord say something to me. And I want you to—I want you to honestly feel challenged tonight, and ask yourself: Am I truly, honestly, so busy that I can't get to group, or I can't even get to? I'm just way too busy. Meanwhile, just crushing this new Viking show, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm really into a different show right now. Alone. Have you seen Alone? Amazon Prime, just guys on Vancouver Island trying to make it alive. You seen this? It's wild. <laughs> Take that to Fino. It's legit. I got someone, as I mentioned this in this morning, they sent me an article about how we, it was like how we've turned into goblin mode. We're just sitting and eating and watching is our new normal. Just consider that for a moment. I read this quote this week, the presence of extreme busyness in our lives actually points to deeper problems. One, we have a pervasive, people-pleasing problem. Two, it's a restless ambition, something we just can't attain, get to, or just a sense of meaninglessness. And so we create things, we do things to try and stay busy. Truthfully, they said, the greatest danger with busyness is that there may be a greater danger, but you never have time to consider it. Young adults, please hear me for a second. Think about that for a moment. The greatest danger of busyness is that there may be greater dangers, but you never have time to consider them. Our busyness has become a spiritual burden. And I want you to think about it this week. I want you to ask hard questions because here's what's so interesting. Jesus is on his way to actually heal Jairus' daughter. Remember how the story started? That a synagogue leader came, came down, knelt at Jesus' feet, and Jesus said, all right, let's go, and then he was interrupted by this woman grabbing his cloak and now he's like looking for her. He's, he's, he's finding her. He's, he's trying to like have a conversation with her. If I'm Jairus, I'm mad. I'm like, listen, lady, take a number. I got here first, okay? My daughters, let's go, Lord. Like, let, like I'm, right? Jesus is never busy. You notice that? Never said Jesus sprinted from healing to healing to make time for Sunday rest. Like he doesn't say that. Actually, Luke often describes that Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray alone. That's what the Bible describes Jesus doing. There's a lot of resources on this lately. I encourage you to pick up a book, The Ruthless Illumination of Hurry, whatever it is, like fantastic literature. This is a problem. The endless scroll is a problem for us, guys. We have to figure it out. Are we busy and we need to find margin? That's very possible. Or are we not so busy and we're addicted to other things? What, what is it for us? And in this moment, Jesus actually has the time. Now he's, all, he's God, I get it, it's different. He's like, she could be dead for a week and he, he'll figure it out. But he does show us something here that he says, this is important too. And it's really key for us to see. He took the time not to identify the woman, but to bring identity to this woman. Let's read it again. Who touched me? This is verse 45. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. Someone touch me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, Luke wrote, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. Interesting, same posture as Jairus at the feet of Jesus. In the presence of all the people, she told how she'd been touched, sorry, how she touched him and how she'd been instantly healed. In this verse, I love this verse. If you grew up in youth ministry at all, you know I love this verse. Then he said to her, Daughter, not woman, he didn't ask for her name. You notice that? The, the, the language changes here. Woman who was sick, no, no, no. Daughter, your faith is healed you, go in peace. Whenever you read healings in the Bible, note this, okay, this is important. For them, it wasn't just that they were sick and they were hurt and so people like, ignored them for that. What happened often was people would believe that your sickness was due to your unholiness. And so, you, you probably sinned, or your parents sinned, or your grandparents sinned. Someone in your family did something that angered God. That is why you were unwell. And so, this woman would not have just been like in pain. She, she would have been in pain and she would have been alone, isolated, completely ostracized from community. She would have had to perform many ceremonial cleansings just to get in to see a doctor. So, for her to go ahead and touch Jesus was, was a really big deal. It's like, you don't do that. You're unclean. You're not well. You're sick. And Jesus says, No, 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 that's my daughter. Jesus takes a moment and gives her the gift she didn't realize she needed. Because her body was healed instantly, the Bible said, but her identity was not whole. Wasn't whole. He needed to make sure to finish the healing, if you will. He needed to identify her so that he could bring identity to her. Are you following me tonight? This is a really big deal because for us, we love to talk about like what we're doing and what we're accomplishing and who we are. And Jesus said, it's not about what you're doing or where you're doing it or how you're doing it or even who you are, it's about whose you are. And that is a very big difference. And in a culture that is struggling so hard with their identity, that, that we know what to wear, we know what to say, we know what to post, we know where to go, yet we don't know whose we are. And so we just keep going in circles, trying to figure it out. And you know what happens? Jesus says, I got the answer. I know who's your, right here. I, I made you. You're made in the image of God, the Bible says. like. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're a part of the family of God. Your faith has healed you, daughter. I see you, I know you, I know your pain, and I'm coming in, I'm reaching in. This this is the idea that she's now accepted, brought back into community. No longer is she away, she is now near, now she is close. Are you seeing this? This is life-changing for her. This means more to her than the healing itself, daughter. Guys, yesterday with my kids, it was like, mm, not the worst day ever, but it was up there. It was like a top five. We were, me and Trina were joking at the end of last night. We were like, was that a top five? Did that just come in the top five worst days ever in the bonnet house? Like, maybe. Like, it was just a gong show. I have three kids. Two of them were at baseball, and they didn't get to hit enough, and then there wasn't enough Cheetos, and then Bo spilled his Cheetos, and, like, that ruined his day. It was, like, went in mud, and he was like, my Cheetos! Like, he was so, like, he was like, ah! Like, hit hit his knees, like, as if he'd been shot in the back. He was like, Cheetos! Like, it was just a gong show, and then they came home, and then Bo cut his lip, and then we had to have a bath. Oh, my gosh the world came to an end cuz you have to have a bath like it was a nightmare literally nightmare like i have a reoccurring bad dream about yesterday that's that's how bad it was like it was crazy And Georgia was at this point where she was was, we were were talking to her about something she had said to Bo, and it wasn't okay. And she was honestly like hyperventilating. I I just can't, dad, I'm sorry. And she's crying her eyes out. And she's like starting to like almost scratch her face because she doesn't know what to do. And she's honestly inconsolable in this moment. I don't want to have a bath, I can't do it. And so we just scoop her up, go downstairs, turn everything off, calm down, Georgia. Take a deep breath, Georgia. And here's the thing, Georgia has many names. Georgia, G-Bear, G, G G-Force, that's her grandpa's, Georgie, Georgie Porgie, whatever. They're cute, they're fun. But in that moment, all we said was daughter. I do this with her often because she can't get control of her breathing. I'll be like, daughter, I'll say it to Bo, son. Because when I say that, I'm reminding them not just their name, not just who they are, but who they belong to and who who, who protects them, who loves them, that no matter what mistakes and how honestly crazy of a day we had, I love you, you're my daughter, and nothing can change that. Are you seeing this? I want you to see this picture and how powerful this is for this woman. That the term daughter gives her an identity she did not even know existed. She's brought into the family and everything changes for her. Because when you know whose you are, life becomes different. Life changes. Hope becomes more real. Healing seems attainable. Finishing the story with Jairus now. This is verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I would hate that guy. That guy's the worst. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. Then they laughed at him. Listen, I don't want to get to heaven and have to deal with that, right? (laughs) Laughing at Jesus, that guy's in trouble. My goodness. They laughed at him, verse 53. Knowing that she was dead but he took her by the hand and said, my child. Again, you see the reference there. My child, you seeing this again, get up, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up, then Jesus told him to give her something to eat, praise God. Her parents were aston- aston- excuse me, astonished, but he ordered them not to tell him what had happened. Okay, there is a beautiful link here between Jairus and the woman with bleeding. And I'm closing up. We're gonna get to baptisms in a moment. First thing is this what we say about ourselves is so much more important than what others say about us and i feel like these two people like there was a there was a there was an element of courage and desperation that i really admire about both of them that even though all the things said about her for 12 years she still went after it she still reached out to touch the cloak that people would have ostracized her and made fun of her and yet she still Went for it. The self-talk she had probably coming up to Jesus, the Bible says that she fell trembling at his feet. Like, oh, I shouldn't have done this. What was I thinking? And yet, no, I I should have done it because now I'm well, I'm healed. And for Jairus, you look at it like literally, some guy just says, guy, don't worry about it. She's dead. She's gone. It's over. Don't worry about getting the teacher. Too late, bro. Sorry, couldn't happen. And then he gets there and people are mourning, which was really just the start of the, like, a religious process. Like we're gonna begin to mourn for the family. It helps encourage mourning. It's like a religious practice. And Jesus is like, stop it, don't do that. Because when I show up, things change. When I come into the picture, that's when we sing that song, when I walk into the room, right, everything changes. Like I'm coming to bring life where you don't see life. We don't work in the same paradigm. We have different ideas of what's about to happen here. And they laugh at him. Imagine being Jairus. Imagine the walk from when the guy tells you your daughter is dead. Now Jesus is like, just believe. And you're like, yeah, okay. Like, do you not hear him? She's gone. Like the self-talk that would have been going on here, the self-dialogue, walking there full of doubt, I'm sure. Guys, are, we can have the worst inner critic sometimes, the worst inner dialogue. And I'm telling you, when you believe in Jesus, when you follow Jesus, when he is your hope and your guide, I'm telling you, that inner dialogue begins to change. When you accept him as savior, you should see like some of the stories that you're gonna see and hear about on the, on the testimonial video of the baptismal people. Like it is crazy what they've been through. And now they see the other side of it. And I just wanna encourage you this week, even as you head into something, As you go towards whatever it is, a challenge, ask yourself, question yourself. When you begin to doubt or that self-talk begins to go negatively, remember these two. Remember that even in the most dire worst situations, when we serve God, when we're with God, man, everything changes. And what we say about ourselves, what we say about in our own heart and our own mind, man, they didn't let the words of others steal or take or change their dependence on God. And I love that. They knew if they just got to Jesus, they had a chance. So don't let the words of others or yourself dictate your faith or worship in Jesus. Secondly, this is is important. I'm realizing, and as I see it in these two, that coming desperate to God is not a weakness. I always thought desperation, I kind of viewed it in a weakness. I don't know why, I don't know why. And I just have to say, I was so moved by the story of Jairus this week. The desperation, the running from, like it'd be so hard to leave your daughter and you've gone to doctors and then you're just gonna try this rabbi who's walking in. right? Or or maybe he knows more about Jesus, who knows? But this desperation, it turns into a dependence on Jesus. That dependence then turns into the biggest miracle of his life. And I see this and I'm like, yeah, Jesus, Jesus loves this desperate heart. In fact, I believe that Jesus defends the desperate and he honors the bold. Hear that tonight, that Jesus defends the desperate and he honors the bold. He honors the courageous woman who says, I don't have anything else to give. I just know that if I just get to his, even his cloak, it going to be better than this. Jarvis, i got to leave my sweet 12-year-old to run because I just, God, I have to get to Jesus. If I just get to him, we stand a chance. Maybe for you, there just hasn't been a desperation in your faith at all. Maybe for you, just coasting through and kind of being busy in life is actually your biggest hurdle to getting a revelation, a miracle, a faith transformation. Maybe that's what it is. Do you have a miracle you're praying for? Get desperate. Come running to Him. Do you have a situation you can't get out of by yourself, or you've been trying to get out by yourself using your own strength and it's not working? Maybe it's time to get a little more desperate. Have you been so busy? that other things are just kind of coming to the light that you're missing. Man, I just wonder if we got a little more desperate. Maybe you feel broken, shattered, like into little pieces. And you're like, I don't know how to pick up this mess of mine that I've made. And you come in here feeling just anguish and tired because of sin and hurt and, and past trauma or whatever it may be, even church trauma. And you're feeling down and hurt and uncertain. Come desperate to God boldly to God, and he will be your defender, your comforter, and he will honor that obedience. And I just want you to know as a church, it is our hope, is my hope, that you would know it is our joy to walk with you in the hard times. It's our joy to walk with you in the valley. I think we love to celebrate. We often talk about wins and victories. We do that intentionally. And I think sometimes we think we just, oh, I just like we're just pumping up this story or that story. No, no, we celebrate the victory. We celebrate the mountaintop because we've walked with people through the valley and we know how hard it's been. That's why this baptism video and this, this moment of baptism is so powerful. And if you've been in that tank, you know what I mean. Because you walk in and you're thinking about everything that's happened, your whole past, and then you're just, it just clicks. You remember, Jesus changed everything. Like, he changed everything for me. And that's why there's so much joy and life and excitement. That's why we celebrate the wins and the victory. Are you following me? Because we know, the, the like, the pain through the valley. And I want you to know, it's our hope, it's our joy to do that with you, with every person. Maybe for you, you need to get, like, active this week. You need to call someone and set up a time with a pastor or a counselor and say, I need to talk to someone, maybe for you, just like you would set an appointment for your doctor or your dentist, or let's be more honest, you're gonna take a long lunch for your hairdresser, right? Your barber, you do that. Why don't you set a long lunch and come to prayer? Why don't you set a long lunch and say, I'm gonna get here Tuesday at 12, because there is a group of church there's a group of people at church there's a group of pastors and staff who want to pray for me who want to lift me up who want to lay hands on me and make sure that I feel covered and prayed for and that I would know that God loves me and is for me and will defend me and he will see this this act of desperation this act of coming to God out of obedience are you hearing me this is what we need to do we got to get practical but we have to actually activate this that maybe you actually go to small group this week Maybe you don't miss one this month. Maybe you do the freedom homework. You really get on it tonight if you're doing freedom. Maybe you actually go to small group and remove the mask and really become vulnerable and honest. Jesus defends the desperate. He honors the bold. He sees the pieces of our life. You all, hear me. He sees it all. He knows it all. All the things that have shattered. All the things that are hard. But if we will just reach out, he will heal. He is faithful. He is for you. He loves you. And there's no better way to show this than through baptism. That no matter what your past looks like, he loves you. That he died on the cross for you. And just like Jesus went down in the grave, and like we just learned about last week, resurrected, we do the same thing. That's what's happening here tonight. We believe in this. We believe that you get fully immersed in water, and this isn't an act of salvation in itself. It's a symbol of, of what's happened in your heart. It's a symbol of the inward transformation, and now you're seeing the outward declaration. That's what happens in baptism. And you can look at every person and know that's new life. That's a new creation. That's someone who sees God, knows God, has found God and proclaims that God is good and that they love them, love him and he, Jesus, loves them. Man, it's powerful truth, guys. And when we watch this video, and we're gonna get to it in a moment, we're gonna watch a video, I'm gonna call them up in a second. I want you to know this, last thought. If their story can change, why can't yours? If you're feeling down in the dumps, you're like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. Listen. They have stories too. They have pain too. And if their story can be changed by God, if, if if my story and Brent's story and Robbie's story, if our story can all be transformed by God, so can yours. Just run to Jesus. Just reach out. Do anything you can. Get to Him. Get desperate. Get all. Get desperate. Would you show some emotion for the love of the Lord, please? Do anything you can to reach out to Him and be like, man. I, Nothing else is worth it. Nothing tastes right. Nothing is good enough until I just get to Jesus. Amen? I'm going to call up those who are getting baptized right now. We're going to pray over them. And then Brian will come up with some announcements. So if you're getting baptized tonight, come on up. Come on up right now. Let's go. There's three of you? Yes! Josiah, Jessica, Shani. This may seem foreign to you if you're not used to church, if you're new. Um, they've already come, they've already talked to people about it, they know this was happening, don't worry. Um, we're all gonna go in a second, but what we do is just, as a community, we pray over them. It's really it's really simple, just like you would maybe as a family or something, we're just gonna all pray over them. And I just want you to know one thing, that is three, three, you get baptized, okay? We are a church that celebrates, right? been saying that a lot. So when they come out of the water, if I hear a golf clap, I'm gonna, I'm gonna splash you, Okay? Like we, we celebrate, we give God praise, we we, we hoo like we shout, scream, holla, whatever you wanna do, we clap, we scream, we get excited because there is new life being shown here tonight. That the old is gone, the new has come. That Jesus has done a great work in their heart and we wanna celebrate that with them, amen? Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for these three. We thank you what's happening right now in their hearts. We thank you for the change, uh, for the... God, we thank you for salvation and that you are their savior, that they have chosen to say, God, I wanna follow you the rest of my days. And I don't care who knows it. I want the whole world to see. I want the whole world to know that I choose you, Lord. God, we thank you that you also chose them, that you saw them, that you know their story, the past hurts, the pain, whatever it is, and you have picked them up. You have shaped them and molded them and changed them. God, you bring hope where there was none. You create purpose where there was pain. God, you bring life. And I pray that these three would help symbolize and represent the beautiful life that you possess and give. And I pray that every person here would know it, they'd see it, and they'd honor and come to you, Jesus, because of their testimony. We love you, Lord. And everybody said, Come on, everybody said.